0: The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. The way Jesus framed it, the way Jesus framed the journey was, was the, the, the kingdom of God. Um, when He came, He talked more about the kingdom of God uh, more than anything else. In fact, all of His parables were all about the kingdom of God. And so basically what he did over and over and over again is explain, here's how it works. God rules everything. God reigns. He's the king of the universe. However, you have to welcome him to be your king and enter into his kingdom through Jesus. And so some people heard that message, watched what Jesus did and said, Absolutely. I believe he's the king, and I believe you're the entryway to the kingdom, and I am stepping into acknowledging God's reign in my life, and people entered the kingdom. Other people realize, yeah, God reigns, but I, I don't want to enter in because I still want to run my own life my own way, and stayed outside of God's kingdom. Well, God's got his heart to, to include people in his kingdom. He's been doing it all along and this morning, I want to talk to you about what is your part in God's kingdom. Very specifically, your part. Because God has a very specific place for you in His kingdom. He wants to let you into His heart to understand your place. What is your role? What is your slice, so to speak, in God's amazing and powerful and beautiful kingdom? And so I want to break that down today about your part in the kingdom. Um, When Jesus came on the scene, uh, he was sharing this message about the kingdom and it's called the good news because everywhere, uh, the way it started is um, John the Baptist said, hey everyone, guess what? The kingdom of God, it's coming. And then pretty soon, the message was the kingdom, it's at hand. You You could almost reach out and grab it. The kingdom is like, it's getting closer. It's right at hand. And then when Jesus came, Kingdom's here and now. And then when he was asked later on by John the Baptist followers, uh, what should we expect? He said, tell them that this has happened, this has happened, and this has happened. And that means the kingdom of God, it's upon you. It's right here, right now for everyone to step Into the kingdom. That's the good news. The gospel of the kingdom is the good news of telling people that God reigns and you're welcome to join his reign. Or you can go against them and do it your own way, but the sooner you enter his reign and his rule, you also get in on all of his benefits and all of his provisions and everything that this loving king has to offer. So you can either enter his kingdom or stay outside it, but he loves you. Come on into it. Jesus is the door through which we enter the kingdom, and you and I have a place in God's heart to share the message of his kingdom. I want to just, I hope this morning we do a couple things. I hope this morning we expand your view of God's kingdom, what it is. I hope we uh, expand on what you believe your role in God's kingdom is. And I hope we um, expand your view on the methods and the ways through which God is going to use you. At the end of the day, if we, if we move in these areas, it's going to be beautiful because I believe God wants to use you in ways you haven't even come to terms with yet. I believe he wants to use you more effectively and there's nothing more beautiful than the living God doing things through your life. It is absolutely the most purposeful and fulfilling thing that you can ever imagine. There's nothing else you can do on this planet that will give you more joy and fulfillment than partnering with God. And so... Um, to, to set this up, I want to read a few scriptures. Some of these are in your bulletin. But when Jesus came to explain the kingdom that we're talking about and what it looks like, um, we talked a little about this last week, but he said in Luke uh, 4.18, he announces this, this good news, this message, and, and we realize that it's a, the gospel is a full gospel, that when we think of the gospel, we think of salvation, that Jesus came to take away sins, absolutely. Absolutely. Unequivocally, Yes, yes, and yes. But there is more. He also came for freedom for people. We were singing about it earlier. It's in the gospel, the words of Jesus, that he came for people to be free. And in Jesus' own words, in Luke four eighteen, he said, "...the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free." And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus, by the way, when he put this scroll down in the temple, in the context of the passage, says today this has all been fulfilled in your presence. In other words, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus is saying, I'm the one ushering it in. I'm the Messiah. And these are the things that will be evidences of God's kingdom. Now, when we think of God's kingdom... Or the gospel of the kingdom, the news of the kingdom, we don't always think of these other components. We usually think of, well, he takes away sins and people get saved is the term, right? Yes, but we don't think of the full expression of what Jesus is saying. And this is where I'm hoping this morning we can uh, kind of expand your view of God's kingdom because there's people in your life, people you love, people you know, people you interact with every day that are desperate for these aspects of God's kingdom. And they're not gonna know about them unless you share them with them. That's a reality. And so I'm hoping this expands our view of the kingdom. But Jesus said, according to him, the gospel of the kingdom, it starts with salvation, but it also includes provisions for our liberty, recovery, freedom from oppression, and even healing of broken hearts. When you look at the King James version of the the original passage, that there's these other elements of the good news That Jesus came for, that Jesus announced with his own words, that Jesus did this throughout Israel. And when he did it, he said, these are the signs that the kingdom is upon you. And yet we don't think of some of these other aspects of the good news. I think God wants you to start understanding some of these wider dimensions of his kingdom because he wants you to start sharing. And it's exciting. It's exciting when you see people that have a need in an area and you're like, wow, Jesus came exactly for that. He came for that. Um, you know, we live in the most free society, um, you know, in, in you know, thousands of years, and yet there is such a lack of freedom, really, and it's evidenced by crime rates and medications and everything people do. We have so much stuff, technology, we have all these things available, and yet the level of oppression and depression in our society has skyrocketed, which tells me technology is not the answer. And money must not be the answer. And living in big cities and having all the, the safest and freest planet on the face of the earth isn't the answer. There's a deeper core thing. And it's coming to terms with our identity in God Almighty. It has to do with acknowledging his kingdom, your place in his kingdom, and the freedom he offers. And uh, Jesus came for this. In fact, John eight thirty six: if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. This is Jesus talking about freedom why is jesus talking about freedom i believe even walking around israel 2000 years ago he's looking around and saying wow there sure is a lack of freedom around here let me just tell you something if the sun sets you free you are free indeed the component of freedom which is part of the full gospel 2nd corinthians 3:17 now the lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom and you go wow is that what it's supposed to look like. I mean, if, if people believe and they're followers of Jesus and they enter the kingdom of God, there ought to be a really restful place of freedom in their lives. There ought to be evidence of freedom and freedom from past things, freedom from past experiences, anything that limited or hindered or held back or weighed down. Jesus came to set us free from all of that stuff. And we're going to look at some passages uh, where that's evident. But, there is a theme of freedom in the gospel, uh, the gospel of the kingdom, and Jesus is saying it with his own words. In fact, he says in Matthew twenty-four, fourteen, he calls it exactly that. It says, and this, a gospel of the kingdom, the good news of God's kingdom, will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus is saying, if you want to know the signs of the end times, uh, and the Bible is full of them. And if you look at the prophecies, I believe we're living in days where we're seeing fulfillment at such a rapid rate that I honestly believe we are living in times, if it's not the end, nearing the end because of the, uh, the, how rapid the fruition of prophecy is coming to place. Jesus said, the way you will know is you can check by the seasons, just like you know when a fruit is getting ripe, you know it's almost harvest time. He said it's the same way with the end times, it will be as in the days of Noah, where people will do what is they think is right in their own eyes, well, we live in a time today, and it's the first time in 2,000 years, certainly in Western civilization, where people do what's right in their own eyes, you know, we're watching, um, you know, the, uh, the voice with the kids, and they're watching different singers, and they're saying, your truth, you're so true to your truth, and my truth is my truth, and everyone's got their own truth, and we're all good with our own truth, and I like your truth, it's like, is that even what truth is? Truth has never been used that way. Truth is truth, and the only way truth can be truth, if it's true for all people, all the time, in all circumstances. Otherwise, it's not truth. It's preference, it's perspective, but it's not truth. And Jesus is like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm not one of them. I am the truth, and truth is in fact truth. But our culture is like, well, I think this, and I feel that, and for the first time, everyone's applauding. This individual perspective of truth, and I think God's looking down and saying that's not truth, and I think we need to know it's not truth either. It's preference. Let's call it preference. Let's call it style. Call it choice. Don't call it truth because it's not truth. And this gospel of the kingdom, you know, the the point is that it's going to be shared uh, throughout the world, and then the end is going to come. Now, we couldn't have even said that 50 years ago because there were so many people groups that never even heard of the good news of the kingdom. But we're living in times and days now where there's missionaries in every continent and planet and people going into the rainforest and they got the Bible translators making the Bible in thousands of languages for all people. We're living in times with with media and technology that the gospel is reaching the ends of the world But I think the Lord wants you to know today, the gospel's not reaching the end of your world, your world where your feet are. You know, the Bible talks about the ends of the earth. I want you to think about the ends of the earth being where your feet take you. Where your feet take you are the end of the earth. Don't think of it the other side of the globe. In fact, you look where Jesus was when he said it, we're over here in Southern California right near the ocean, we are the end of the earth from where Jesus is. Uh, proclamation was. We are at the end of the earth. And, and, and he's asking that his people, his followers, share this message of the kingdom, of salvation and freedom and everything that Jesus offers, the hope, the peace, the joy, everything he offers. He's asking that we partner with him in sharing that message. Um, Matthew 28, 18, many of you know this passage. Uh, this is a key one. Jesus is really clear on on, on this statement of, The message of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, spread it, share the love, tell others about it. He says in Matthew 28, 18, uh, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is what's called the Great Commission. Uh, It's not the Great Suggestion. It's the Great Commission. Unfortunately, it's become the Great Omission, (laughs) because everyone thinks it's like such an optional thing. Isn't this for like the evangelists? No, it's for everybody. It's for all believers. The Great Commission isn't for the apostles. It's not for the, you know... Uh, uh, evangelists or it's for all followers of Jesus. We're all, he's asking us to partner with him in this aspect of sharing the love, sharing the message. And um, this part of the message, you know, it's interesting. I, I, was, I was thinking of this presentation of Jesus the very first time he gathered them all around and he said, listen, I'm leaving. I'm going to the father. I'm going to send you my spirit. You guys tag, you're it. Take this message Share it, all of you. And don't stop. Wherever your feet take you, go and share the message. It's almost like it was Jesus' IPO. You guys know what an IPO is? An IPO. An IPO is when a, when a business is ready to go public, they have an IPO. It's an, an initial uh, uh, public offering. It's the first time a company goes from private to public. It's the first time you get to own it. You can buy in. You can own and you might say, well, that's pretty boring, but what if you were able to do that with Apple 25 years ago or Google or, or uh, you know, Microsoft or something? It's an IPO. It's a chance to own something that's going public. Well, Jesus, right here in this passage, presented like an IPO. Here's my initial public offering. It's the first time. I want you guys to all take this and I want you to share it. And I want you to take that same public offering and continue to let it be a public offering. Continue to let it be a, a, an individual public offering, wherever your feet take you, to be able to share what you understand about God's kingdom, what he has shown you, what he's disclosed, the freedom, the healing, the salvation, the joy, the change, the disposition, whatever he has shown you and expressed to you about his kingdom, to be a witness and share your story about it. That's what he's asking us all to do, literally to go public and this is what it looks like. When, when Jesus talked about what he came for, uh, it says in Luke 19.10, and I love this, because hopefully this picture will help us get a little better view of, well, what's my part in this thing? I mean, how do I actually do this? And I mean, what exactly does God want me to do to partner with him? How do I actually go public for him? And I... I don't really know what this looks like. Here's what Jesus said about his own description in Luke 19.10. It says, uh, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. In other words, he looks around at a world and there are all kinds of uh, things that are a consequence of the fall. You look at Adam and Eve, you look at the fall and the Bible says, okay, everything is changing now because of the fall. The ground is cursed. You're going to have to toil. There's going to be all these things as a consequence. Well, Jesus comes as the second Adam. The Bible refers to him as and he gets to redo everything the first Adam messed up. That's cool. That's good news in itself. And he comes and he keep, and he comes to redeem everything that was messed up originally. So he looks around and he sees people that are broken as a result of the fall, right? And he comes to them and he looks at them. And he's like, hey, peace be with you. Let your heart not be troubled. And everywhere he goes, he is touching people. And wherever he touches, there is redemption. Whatever person he touches, they get redeemed. Whatever situation he touches gets redeemed. When he touches a family, the family gets redeemed. When he touched me, I got redeemed. When he touched you, you got redeemed. And what that means is he, he, he's restoring things from the damage from, from the fall. He comes to make all things new. He says, behold, I come to make all things new. And when he comes, he, he touches people and he touches families. He touches lives And there's redemption in process. There's a redemption story. Soon as Jesus touches someone or a family, a person, place, or thing, there's a redemption story in place. The problem is there's a lot of wreckage from the fall. And you turn on the 10 o'clock news and you'll watch all this wreckage from the fall. It's all over the place. People we know, people we love, care about, still wreckage from the fall. And Jesus says, I came to redeem all of that. I want to touch all, all those people. I want to touch all of those situations because he came to redeem. He loves to redeem. Uh, what it means to redeem, it's to, it's to buy back, it's to restore, it's to make it right. And when you look around your life, your worldview, the people around you, you care about, you work with, neighbors, family, whatever it might be, or maybe just in society, you look around, let me ask you this, Where? do you see the greatest need for redemption? Where in your heart right now, when you think about this, if Jesus' finger could touch one area of our society to redeem, buy back, restore, make new, if there's one area he could touch, what is that in your heart? Think about what it is, and I want to ask you to pray about it and hold on to it. Don't let it be a random thought. I'm praying the spirit of God reveals some things to you this morning that have to do with his heart for redemption because this is your place in his kingdom. This is how it works. This is where it gets fun and exciting. Where does Jesus want to touch? What people group does he want? What area? Where's the most brokenness? What do you perceive it to be? And whatever that is, that's a burden that God's putting on your heart because he wants to redeem. He came to redeem that which was lost and he wants his finger to touch it, but here's the deal. He wants to partner with his children. That's the way he's been doing it all along, partnering with his children, the children of God that he empowers to go. And he even says, I will be with you always. When you go, the context is, I will be with you. You're not going alone. He says, all authority on heaven and earth is given to me. So therefore, you go and I will be with you. And the reality is this, you and I get to go Share the redemption of Jesus and he loves to redeem. It's his will to redeem. You know you're doing God's will because he's all about redemption and he goes with you. And God gets to do things now through one of his sons and daughters that are willing to partner with him and you get to find your place in God's kingdom and that brings you more joy and you become a world changer because God is using you to touch things to redeem. We don't redeem them, he does. He does. But he does it through people. And it's a beautiful zone to be in. It's absolutely amazing. Things that were ruined by the fall get restored by Jesus. And basically what he's saying is, will you go with me? (laughs) Will you go with me? I want to redeem all these people and all these areas of society. Will you go with me? The early church said, yes, (laughs) we'll go with you. And God's like, good, I'm never going to leave or forsake you. And everywhere you go as you share the message of the kingdom, the good news of what I do and my love and how I want to restore, redemption, 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 redeemed families, redeemed people all over, the redeemed couples, marriages, redeemed lives, redeemed from childhoods, whatever went on, testimony, redemption, redemption, redemption. He's all about the redemption. What area stirs you? What area burdens you? Because if you want to find your place in God's kingdom, you have to come to terms with that God-given burden. God is the one who gives us burdens in these areas. These aren't just ideas. God actually places burdens on our heart. And sometimes the burden is the calling. What is my calling? We'll start with the burden. If God put that burden there, that's where you start. He, he put a little weight, a little stirring, a little something, a little like pst, pst, are you getting that? Are you hearing that? That's God who does that. It's his spirit who quickens our spirit to come to terms with something. And in this area of partnering with God, what area is an area that you go, yeah, that's, that's an injustice that needs to be made right. That needs the redemption of Jesus big time. If there's one area, it's that. And we all won't have the same area. And that's the beauty about God's kingdom. kingdom. That's the beauty of his diversity. That's the beauty of his unique design, the matrix of the living God among his people. The display of God's kingdom on display is that we won't all have the same burden and that's a good thing, but that will propel us into so many different areas to share the redemption of Jesus. And everywhere you go and where your feet take you, it's the ends of the earth and the redemption of Jesus is touching and touching and touching and things are getting renewed and restored. Some people don't think of the gospel that way. They think of it like, well, there's four spiritual laws, and if you die in your sin, you're going to hell, and you need to accept them right now. And Yeah, but is that what Jesus did when he rolled up on everybody? (laughs) The lady at the well, ma'am, let me just tell you. No, no, it's not what he did. How about the blind man? Yeah, why are you calling out to me? Let me tell you about your condition, son. No, he didn't do that. Of course, it's true, these spiritual laws, but we got to understand that sharing the gospel has got this Amazing matrix of the beautiful things that Jesus said and Jesus did and the redemption stories along the way of the people he touched, including you and me, and turning around and sharing those. And Jesus is going to start working out some of the rest. We don't have to work out all the rest for everybody, but we have to share the redemption stories. That is the heart of God. In fact, you know, we're told in the Bible that we are ministers of the gospel of reconciliation, which means... Before the fall, people were connected with God. They were in community with God. They were in communion with him. After the fall, it broke that. Well, guess what? Through Jesus, we're reconciled with God again. That's what he came to do. That's one of the uh, elements of his ministry is to restore and redeem us back to God, reconcile us with God. And so through what Jesus did, we're reconciled with God and we can be reconciled with one another. Bible is clear on that. And all of us now, because we've received reconciliation, uh, if you've made that decision, we become ministers of reconciliation. So the expectation is you have tasted that the Lord is good. You have uh, gotten in on his provision. Freely you've been given, freely give. Now go give it away to somebody. Give it away, it's free. Go give it away to somebody. And that's the prayer, is that you're given away what God has given you. Give away what God has given you. So we are um, ministers of this gospel of rec- reconciliation. And, and if we're going to be followers of Jesus, and we said this last week, we got to imitate him, imitate Jesus. We're asked, if you're a note taker, you might want to write down that we are asked to be imitators of Jesus, literally imitate him. And if you're not really sure what he did, read the gospels and imitate what, what Jesus did as followers. Ephesians 5.1 says, be imitators of God like wow I never really thought of it that way be imitators of God as his children we should be imitators we should be reflection of him we're supposed to be ambassadors that we literally represent him when we go public uh, for the glory of God he's basically saying would you represent me in every sector of life and that's where it gets cool because you might say well I'm actually into this sector personally I kind of have a burden for this sector over here beautiful I put that in you. Would you represent me in that sector? And others might say, well, I don't really relate to that sector, but over here, that's an area now. We're talking business. Now, I could really relate to the Beautiful. I put that in you. Would you relate to that sector? Represent me in every sector. John 14, 12. This is a radical scripture. This is what Jesus said. He said, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works of I have been doing. Let me say that again. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. This is a radical statement. He's not just talking to the apostles. He's talking to the believers, the followers, disciples, saying, listen, if you believe in me, imitate me. Please do the things I've been doing. And that's the part where you've got to come to terms with, where is he stirring me? And will I be obedient to that calling of God? Where is he, what area is God tugging on me? And will I step out in faith in that area? Because that to me is where you begin to partner with God and you begin to find your place in God's kingdom. And I'm just telling you, this is where it gets exciting. This is where it gets fun. This is where you get to see lives change. This is where life's got purpose, where God is showing up as the living God in your life and through your life, and there's nothing cooler than that. This is when we become imitators of God, followers of Jesus. And Jesus said, would you do what I've been doing? I'm asking you, Jesus is saying here, would you do what I've been doing? And so that's his his call in our life. Our second point this morning, if you're a note taker, is that my mission is an extension of Jesus's mission. Now, a lot of people don't think that way. But it is. Your mission is an extension of Jesus' mission. He is saying, whoever believes in me will do what I've been doing. Will you go do what I've been doing? Our mission is an extension of Jesus' mission. I think that's amazing, really. I'm hoping some of this changes your view of what your part is in the big picture. I hope this kind of stretches a little bit to go, wow, I didn't know know it was that broad and that... um, you know, the individual to what God has shown me and that me, I can turn around and, and share it. Um, you know, the word, when Jesus came to save that which was lost, the Greek word is sozo. We talked about this briefly, but this is important. He came to save. He came to redeem. He came to restore. He came to make right with God, reconcile. We can go on and on in a description of all the things that Jesus did. Uh, but the word to save means to deliver, to protect, to heal, to preserve, to make you well or to make you whole. That's a pretty broad description on what Sozo, when Jesus came to save that which was lost. He, he, the, the restoration components of what Jesus did, and we can see it through the scripture everywhere he went, the redeeming that he did along the way and the restoration and reconciliation in all of these areas is laid out. In, in, this, in the Gospels for us really clearly. And when you can identify with one of these areas in your life, what did Jesus save you from? What did he deliver you from? What did he protect you from? This is all part of your redemption story, by the way. This is what the word means. What did he preserve you from? How did he make you well in any way, shape, or form? How did he make you whole? Because that is what Jesus came for. He came to save that which was lost. These are the areas that you've experienced this term sozo in your life that Jesus did. And in turn, these are some elements that you should turn around and share. This is where it gets powerful. This becomes your testimony. And when the supernatural living God comes into your life to do any of these changes, that is a flat out miracle. It's, an, it's a miracle. With the creator of the universe, who's vi- not visible to our eye, but yet very present, the living God, when he does what he says he will do, when we partner with them, these are little miracles and these got to be shared. They have to live on. You got to share your story because then other people get to experience uh, redemption. Uh, a quick summary of this is in Mark chapter 5. I want to encourage you to go back later on and read this. But Mark chapter 5, really cool passage that shows what this is. Sozo of Jesus is, this salvation, the full context of what Jesus came to do, and it's pretty amazing. But in Mark chapter 5, I'm just going to do a quick overview. He comes across the shore of Sea of Galilee, and he sees a guy out in in a graveyard who's an outcast of society. Um, Today, we have outcasts of society. They don't live in the graveyards, but you might see them on the corner or back in some alley somewhere where society says, we don't know what to do with you, and they're disconnected from society. Well, this guy was in a graveyard, and this guy was out of his mind, okay? His mind wasn't right. Maybe you've seen some people on the street, their mind isn't right. Well, guess what? Jesus came for them. In fact, in this passage, he came directly for this man who was out of his mind. One person and one person only. Him and the apostles crossed the lake for one man out of his mind. And he comes to this man and he, he heals this man. But the term in this, when Jesus came up to him, it says that after Jesus was done, this man was sitting there in his right mind. The miracle of this man is that he he, he had his... Mind was out of control and now he's in his right mind and that was through Jesus and the term is sozo. That's what Jesus did. Jesus saved him. And you're like, well, I didn't know that's what being saved looked like. That's one of the slices of it. This man was sitting there in his right mind because Jesus did that. Now, this is what I love about the story. The man says, wow, thank you for a new beginning, a new lease on life. Can I jump in the boat with you guys and cross the Sea of Galilee and go explore the world? Sounds like a good idea, right? Jesus is like, no, sir, I want you to go back to your own people. I want you to go back where you're from. I want you to go back to the people who knew who you were before. And I want you to show them what's happened to you. Now that's explosive because that's speaking to me and you. You know where you're from. You know what you've come up through. You know what your story is better than anybody else. And God's like, I'm taking this away. I'm replacing it with this. This is part of your salvation. This is part of Sozo. This is part of your renewal, restoration, redemption process. This is what I've done. Go back to your people. Would you tell your people? Interesting mission, isn't it? He moves on in the, in the passage and he, he just barely leaves there and he's... Flooded by people in the next town, they're all around them. There's a lady who spent every last dollar on doctors because she's sick and she, she can't, no one can cure her. And she's got no hope at all except for Jesus Messiah. If I could just touch his garment. I know I'll be healed in faith. I know it because he's the healer. He's the one who restores. He's the one who comes to redeem everything he touches. If I can just touch. So she's fighting and clawing on her hands and knees through a stinky crowd of people stepping on her hands, fighting through the crowd, fighting, fighting, finally gets to Jesus and reaches out there and just touches the bottom of his garment. Instantly she's healed. Jesus stops instantly. Who touched me? Like, what are you talking about? There's millions of people. No, someone touched me in faith. Because they know Jesus redeems everything he touches. Everything that touches, Jesus gets redeemed. And he knows right away, somebody did this and the lady's like, it was me. And he's like, ma'am, your faith has made you whole. You've been sozoed. This is your salvation, ma'am. This is part of your salvation process is you received healing that the doctors couldn't do. So the first guy, his mind is made right. The second lady, the doctors who couldn't cure him are healed. This is the same word being used. And then he goes on in the passage and he gets to a house to, to heal a little girl who he gets there. He, she's already dead. And they're like, Jesus, it's a waste of time. Just leave. You're too late. And he says, Everybody out of the room. And Jesus goes over to the door and basically says, Rise. And she comes back to life again. And the word being used there is sozo, part of her, the word that we use for saved. Let me ask you, are you saved? Are you saved? If you are, are you saved from what? Have you been healed, redeemed, restored? Have you been, God changed anything in your mind, anything in your past? Has he redeemed anything in your life? That's your message. Go back to your people. Go back to your people and share your message. And these are the beautiful slices of God's matrix where it gets exciting to partner with God. If we think of the gospel, well, do I have to go tell people the four spiritual laws down on the corner with a billboard? No, you're missing it. That's not what he's asking you to do. He's asking you to go into the world, to the ends of the earth is where your feet take you, to share your stories of what God's done, how he's touched, healed, redeemed, restored, forgiven, reconciled, all of those things because that's the gospel of the kingdom and share it with people and that's where it gets really exciting, specifically areas closest to your heart. You know, maybe you say, hey, well, I, I, I work good at the skate park. Can I do it there? Bam, that's your, that's your deal. You might say, well, I work good in the boardroom. That's kind of my, bam, that's your thing. Well, I work good in the industry. That's, bam, that's your thing. Well, what about the arts? Bam, that's your thing. These are the areas for God's display that I believe he stirred us for. Uh, to witness is to simply give a personal testimony. Just like if you were on the stand. Can you tell us where you were? Uh, yeah, I, I was over here and uh, my life was messed up. I met Jesus. He literally took away a heart of stone. He gave me a heart of flesh. When did that happen? Oh, it happened back then. What's happened since then? Well, I can tell you he's taken away these things and he's done these things. He's given me hope and a future and he's given me vision. These are all dimensions of what Jesus has done in our life and it's your story. It's your story of what he's done in your life. Be a witness. Share it. Um, This I want to remind you is that you are in fact uniquely made and if you have any view that sharing faith is supposed to be cookie cutter in any kind of way, lose that. There's nowhere in scripture that suggests that your sharing of faith has got to be this cookie cutter thing or you got to like take a stamp that somebody gave you and share faith that way. Uh, We're uniquely made, we're wonderfully and fearfully made. God understands that You know we're we're all distinct in the gifts and the talents and the styles and the and the personalities that he has he he doesn't want to change your personality he wants to complete it but he doesn't want to change personalities he gave us unique personalities but as we start walking with jesus and lining up with him with all of our unique personalities just like the apostles all kinds of different personalities he didn't say change your personality change your personality but as we walked with jesus we became more like him in our personalities and as they're going along like this, there's a uniqueness to it. And some of you might be wondering, I am not sure if I have permission to actually step out into an area and do that. That might some of the areas that God might be stirring you might be a little bit outside the box. Um, in my prayer time about this topic, I, I, I believe God wanted you to know. It's our third point this morning is that God is giving you permission. God is giving you permission. If permission is holding you back from an expression of the Great Commission, please know God is giving you permission. The Commission is His idea. He wants you to share redemption stories. He wants you to share whatever Jesus touches gets redeemed. He wants you to move forward in faith in that area of burden that's on your heart and you might be going, well, I I might want to kind of go this way to these people or share these things. I kind of have a burden, but I don't know if I have permission. Please know you have permission. The great commission gives you permission. You already have permission. And I say that because sometimes we feel like we need permission. Sometimes we feel like I need a green light first. If it's the heart of God, it's the will of God. You have permission to move forward in these areas in faith. He's given you permission. And uh, the last thing I want to share, in fact, if the worship team comes up, is, is this scripture, 1 Corinthians nine twenty two. This is what Paul said. He said, I've become all things to all men so that by all possible means some might be saved, some might be sozoed, redeemed, bought back, restored, reconciled. But he goes, I- I'll become all things to all men. And we see back in the day, Paul, a Pharisee, first thing he does, rolls into town and he talks chop with the Pharisees. You want to talk rabbi with the robe and the prayer shawl and this and that? Let's do it. It's on. And he rolls into that crew, crew, that crowd of people, and starts talking Pharisee to Pharisee about Messiah from the Jewish scripture. Boom. Moves on from there. He's talking to the Greek people in, in Mars Hill, in, in, in uh, you know the, 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 another part of the Roman Empire, not a Jewish culture, but a Roman Empire with Greek philosophy. And he starts talking to them philosophically about the reality of the one creator of the universe, even though they have all these other gods over here, there's really only one, and he breaks it down to them differently. Why? Because he becomes all things to all men, so by all possible means. And I believe God is calling us to levels of ingenuity and thinking outside the box on how you share the message. The way you share it might not be the way your grandparents shared it. What is it going to take to be innovative in that, de- in that way? And and the fourth point is that it's time to get innovative, church. The message never changes, but the method always does. The message doesn't change, but the method does. And it's time to be innovative on how you share redemption, how you share the kingdom, how you partner with God. And if you pray about what that is, I trust he's already putting an area on your heart. If you partner with him and step out in faith, God will honor that. And you're going to have some stories to share along the way. But it's time to get innovative and be unconventional. You know, I just want to share a last few, a couple examples that I really love of being outside the box. Uh, Jeanette makes these really cool soaps. They're all handmade and they're all natural. And she goes to the farmer's market and she sells them. But how many of you Me and you are at the farmer's market to reach people all day. You might say, I never go to those things, or maybe you go all the time, but it's a crew of people who are into holistic, natural, healthy things, and so they migrate, and this becomes their world. Well, she thinks of a really innovative, creative, outside-the-box way to say, if I'm presenting these soaps, I'm going to do it for the glory of God. She's got these scriptures on there and sometimes puts the church on there, and all of a sudden, through what she's doing, she's being a light in the middle of a place where maybe she's the only... Person representing Jesus in the entire farmer's market. But that is cool. That is amazing and that's innovative to take what God gives you and you might go, well, it's soap. Hallelujah. It's soap for the glory of God. And it's light in a place like that. And people coming in are buying their organic vegetables, they're picking up soap. The scripture is resonating in their mind because it doesn't return void, and all of a sudden God's planting seeds and things are changing. That is absolutely beautiful. That is when Jesus said it is a co-mission. In other words, I'm with you, co, two people. Jesus is like, you go, I'm gonna be with you to the ends of the earth, even at the farmer's market. Hallelujah, that's beautiful. Maybe it's in the jail, Sergio going in the jail, taking guys who wanna go in, guys and gals who wanna minister to inmates through the window, spend five or 10 minutes sharing the love of God. God's like, good, if your feet will take you there, take the message there, I will be with you at the window. Jesus saying, I will go with you and be with you at that window visitation window if you're willing to go and share redemption stories and listen to people and present the gospel in the way that you're led to do so. Maybe it's Bill. I know Bill was telling me he's got a heart for the skaters at the park. That's my world. That's been good. Then you go and skate for the glory of God and share redemption stories. That's the beauty. Maybe it's boardroom. Maybe you're like, I do IPOs. Well, you do IPOs for the glory of God then. If that's your circles of influence, God put you there don't separate the sacred from the secular. If your faith is like, well, that's my job, and I don't share anything about faith right there, and a lot of people do that, that's not the heart of God. This is in you. This is who you are. Faith is part of your life. In fact, it's the part that's going to last. You know, you can't separate, well, my job and my family is all different, and then, uh, you know, Sunday at church is faith. And you No, know, this is who you are. Your life is... We come into the kingdom by faith and we live by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I just want to encourage you that God is calling us all to a deeper expression of this faith. And he's calling us to, to, to invite people into his beautiful kingdom. Where there is, there is forgiveness front and center, but there's also healing and wholeness and, and, and renewal and perspective and joy. And you read what the gospel offers. These are all components of God's kingdom and they're all offered through the king who loves us. Uh, Matthew 22, 9 says this. The king invited everyone to his banquet and there were people who were invited who didn't come. And I think that's an interesting allegory of people invited into God's kingdom, who God is inviting in, but some saying, I'm not coming. God's like, I wanted you to come. I invited you to come. I wouldn't have invited you to come if I didn't want you to come. I wanted you to come and you got an invitation, but somehow, someway, hardened hearts and didn't want to come. And then he tells them, he says, you know what? Go out to the street corners, it says in Matthew 22, 9. Go out to the street corners, invite to the banquet anyone you can find. Anyone who wants to come to the king's banquet is welcome. Anyone who wants to enter into God's kingdom for his love, protection, forgiveness, freedoms, they're all invited. And and it's an amazing snapshot, I think, of our part, because I think he's telling us, I've invited people, and some have responded, but some ignored my invitation. And he's saying to us, would you go? to the street corners or the boardroom meetings or the skate park or the prison window or would you go to the farmer's room? Would you go, Trader Joe's, would you go across the street to that one neighbor who's a few doors down that you've been thinking about? Would you go and invite them? God wants them at his banquet and it is in fact a banquet because God lays out things before us that the world can't even offer. (laughs) The world cannot offer the things that God sets before us at his banquet table. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.